Welcome back, y'all. <laughs> Just kidding. Surprise. Have you been feeling stuck, limited, or blocked in your spiritual life? Are you looking for breakthrough today? We are here creating a safe place to uncover real answers to honest questions. Because this is not just another self-help podcast. This is Life Life for Your Soul. Welcome back. This is Life for Your Soul. This is Rachel speaking. Virginia usually does our intros, but Virginia's got a sore throat. Yeah, I know. We just came off the episode talking about how we're going to persevere. And we don't let the don't let the devil take you down. Just keep on going. And then apparently um, we were too confident in that because now the sickness that I avoided for two weeks for my family. Ta-da. It's fine because I'm just here to support Rachel. So I'll be the saying the majority of the jibber-jabbering. I'm looking forward to it because our new topic arc is here. Uh, if you missed our Rama last week, uh, it was very good. It's definitely uh, save it for some chores you got because it's a long one. But uh, this week we are on a new topic arc and we are discussing. Don't fall for that. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's it. Don't you fall for it. Don't fall we'll, for we'll, that. We'll just, we'll, Rachel's going to talk more about what the it is, but don't you do it. Don't, don't fall for it. Don't you do it. <laughs> Sally Ray <laughs> Don't you fall for that. Don't do it, child. You're going to get hurt. Child. You're going to get hurt. <laughs> you don't listen to them telemarketers on the phone. They be lying through their teeth. They will swindle you. <laughs> no, I, I definitely wanted to have a little bit like lighter topic arc, maybe. What? Discerning eternity wasn't light enough for you? (laughs) I mean, the past couple have been on a little bit more of a serious note. This is true. Um, But, to be fair, like, to revisit the whole point of this podcast is, or even to just restate it, is we, like we said before, we're kind of like your your mountain guides. We've been up the mountain a little bit farther than you, maybe. And we've experienced some things and we've had some victories and we're just trying to pass along our our, uh, our guiding wisdom yeah. and observations and hard-won battles, lessons, especially for new believers. Like Virginia knows what it's like to be an adult and find Jesus later, a little bit later in life, and this is true. Trying to play catch up, and the funny I. Thing, the funny thing about that is, this Good Friday was my nine-year anniversary with Jesus, and uh, I was like, "Wow, nine years!" Um, and then I had two immediate thoughts at the same time, which were, "It feels like a lot more than nine years." Immediately followed by, "Wow, the Lord has done a lot of work in nine years." <laughs> And I have the other perspective, which is I was raised in the church and I've seen people that I grew up with who either still struggling with the whole concept of Christianity and the relationship with God or completely walked off because they just couldn't with the frustrations or the issues and the offenses. So um, I kind of want Life for Your Soul to be kind of a essential guide to... Holy Spirit led Christianity, <laughs> like to yeah. get to the the things. A lot of you know, there's a lot of really well known topics that get talked a lot about. You know, you can look up YouTube videos on them, and um, 
you know, you have the you'd have two different kinds of camps in the church. Like you have the the teachers and the and the pastors who are really into like let's do a good Bible study, let's do a good um life life help your life study like on marriage or, you know, doing something on personality types or doing something on having healthy boundaries or yeah. you know, like things in life that you need. Very practical. And then you have the other side of the spectrum with the apostolic, the prophetic, that are like, this is the season of breakthrough in the now, and this is how you're going to get to the next place, and this is what God's saying. And and um, Virginia and I were talking about earlier how you kind of need, you need both in operation in your life. And so for me, yeah. life for your soul is kind of like the stuff that falls through the cracks. Yeah, that's That good. everyone kind of needs to know or thinks about or struggles with, but no one ever talks about. Um, that's kind of been my goal for this podcast. The reason why I love it is because one of the reasons I love it, I should say, because there's, there's so many things I love about it is that, you know, that conversation that Rachel mentioned is that it seems what they were saying was that a lot of, um, apostolic prophetic camps, if you will, like churches come together and then also same thing with, um, evangelical and teaching, they, they seem to go together. Um, and I came out of a evangelical teaching church and joined a apostolic prophetic church. So in my nine years with the Lord, uh, I've seen both sides in depth on the back end and the front end, like behind the scenes, the whole nine. So I really appreciate as an adult being able to see both sides of that and realize what a beauty it is when you can get them. Well, I haven't seen this part firsthand, but what I imagine the beauty is when all of it comes together and you can get all of it under the one place. So what I love is that in our Sunday experience, we get a lot of apostolic and prophetic. And then in Monday through Friday, hanging out with this wonderful teacher named Rachel, I get the teaching part of it too. So it's really great. That's why I love Life for Your Soul, because I'm a student very much so with a lot of the audience. And um, I think... I would say Virginia's a little bit more on the, <laughs> I can be pastoral-ish. Like, I can be, like, I have, you know, I have compassion. I have understanding for people. I do, like, with deliverance ministry, like, there is a capacity where you have to have capacity, have compassion, work with people through their issues, talk to them, yeah. like, not judge them, the whole thing. Um, but I'm not really worried about other people <laughs> and, like, catching up on people and checking in on people. And I'm like, yeah. let me just give you this teaching and you'll be fine. Like I, I can go do my thing now, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. Whereas like Virginia's a little bit more of that. Let me, let me make sure this person's doing okay. Let me check in with them. Let me, you know, just do like a, yeah, check in. Cause I, I'm not big on check-ins and my friends know that. No. And you know what? But. I'm not that, I'm not that great at the checking in part either. But the, the thing is, is if I'm aware that there's something going on, uh, I can't, I can't let it go. I'm like, no, something's wrong. We got to go fix it. Let's come on. We got to go fix it. I will say the good thing about Rachel is, um, while that might not be your strongest suit, uh, character trait, however you want to <laughs> say that, if you're like in dire need and you're like, in the spirit, your arm is falling off, so to speak, then Rachel's right there. She's like, all right, let's do it. Let's put this thing back together. So you're there. Yeah, when I am needed. that person who's like, if you have a quick question, let me know. If you're about to die, let me know. Everything in the between, <laughs> talk to somebody else. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so accurate. Um, oh. 
we have some mutual friends that like will bounce between the two of us, depending on what it is that they need um, at yeah. the moment. Cause they know, okay, I'm going to get this from Rachel or I'm going to get this from Virginia. So I really do appreciate the God kind of stuck us together on this podcast. <laughs> and in, in life, she knows because, what he's doing a little bit. Yeah. Cause <laughs> she bounces me out a little bit and holds me accountable. You know, I don't like being held accountable. <laughs> I mean, I don't think anybody really does. Nobody does. Um, but that's also the beauty of like, I think that is why it's great of why Life for Your Soul, we hope, is unique in that way where we can, you know, provide some heart and some teaching together. And of course, you know, we're going to bring in the prophetic and uh, by the end of, by the end, whatever the end looks like for Life for Your Soul, uh, I think the biggest thing that Rachel and I hope that everyone takes away from it is that you are significantly walking with Holy Spirit in every movement of your life. You know, Watchman Nee, which we've only talked about a little bit, I think, at the um, on the podcast, but there is a concept that he talks about in one of his books that's like basically do everything because Holy Spirit told you to do it because God tells you to do it. Um, very much how Jesus lived on this earth, right? I say or do nothing unless the Father is saying it or doing it, right? So, the, the point he was making is that even if you're doing something good, even if you're feeding the poor, even if you're clothing the homeless or whatever, unless God told you to do it, then you're still operating out of your own flesh. You're doing that yourself. Um, it's not inherently good just because it's a worldly good thing to do. We have to do these things because the Lord tells us to do them. And it's kind of like a deeper thing if you really think about that and unpack it. But I would say that that's the ultimate goal is to get to that place where you're kind of walking with the Lord to that level. Yeah. And so that's going to be how we approach different subjects, because like we're not like this is not a marriage podcast. We might talk about marriage, but it's going to be within that context of your relationship with the Holy Spirit and where you are yeah. in relation to, you know, that Obedience. lens obedience that lens i mean we could talk about finances wait i mean there's so we could talk about practical things being a mom like there's so many things we could talk about and we might but the problem is well it's not a problem there's plenty of wonderful wonderful amazing people who are doing podcasts like that and they're doing resources like that on productivity or they're doing resources on how on motherhood or on marriage and they're doing fabulous jobs to where I mean, we might give our two cents about something and give our perspective, which is valuable, but it's not like our calling in for this podcast. You know? Yeah, not for this podcast. If I had my way, I would do like 10 podcasts and they would be all the things. And they'd be all <laughs> in nice little neat categories. It would be great. I would um, love to do a marriage podcast. I'd love to do a finance podcast too. As a matter of fact, both of those things are close to me. Exactly. So, but it's... Yeah. No, but it's not it's not life for your soul. It's not, it's life, not for life for your soul. soul. So don't fall for that. Could be almost anything. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess we're kind of piggybacking on, you know, some of the concepts of discernment and some of the things that we were talking about, like how do you recognize the differences for stuff, not falling for you know, the lies of the enemy or not. Um Well, let me ask you, Rachel, while we just jump into it. I think a cool question that we could go through is there's a lot of like up and down right now. Okay. Not just right now. The world has been up and down for the past few years. I would say there's definitely been an uptick in spiritual warfare for sure in 2022. So if you, ha what would you say to somebody since we're talking, don't fall for that. 
what if they are going through something hard or something is hitting them and it feels normal, for lack of a better word? How can they discern whether this is um, like a witchcraft attack or the enemy coming at them? Like, how can they not fall for writing allergies off as allergies instead of pushing in and saying, you know what, maybe there's something else? So one paradigm shift that has helped me and I've become more in tune with over the years of doing deliverance ministry is that it's better to just straight up assume it's demonic attack first, treat it as if it is demonic attack and see if it budges. If, or if there's any kind of movement, you know? Yeah, like a light up or something. If your allergies, or it could be, or there's always a, if it's not the perfect will of God, and it's and it's more in the camp of sickness, decay, ill health, financial ruin, things like things that are negative, that is not God's will for you. Then there's always going to be a demonic component to that, and it could be a straight up demonic attack. It could be a, something that is demonic source cursing over your family line that you're dealing with. It could just be living in a fallen world that isn't perfect is what you're dealing with. Right, yeah. So, like, let's say allergies. Okay. So, let's say you eat a lot of sugar and a lot of fried food and you don't drink enough water and you don't take your vitamins. So, your immune Listen, system... I was not asking for you to attack <laughs> me, ma'am. <laughs> let's say you're not taking care of yourself that way. Right. And then maybe, maybe like we were talking about this earlier, like having animals you're allergic to, but you don't want to give them up. So you just yeah. suffer with your allergies and you got, let's say you have a dog or cat you're allergic to. Okay. And you feel miserable and your allergies are awful. Well, that is obviously got a very natural component to it, but there's a demonic component to it because demons want you to have allergies mm. and they want you to suffer. Also, Let's say you have bad habits of eating bad and you're addicted to sugar and you have problems and you have very little discipline in that area and it's just a struggle for you. Well, there's a demonic component in that. So although the allergies themselves might be manifesting in the natural because of physical, uh, your body's not being taken care of properly, there's a demonic component in the fact that you're having a hard time taking care of yourself or knowing what to do. Yeah. Or you just don't know that you don't know that there's something in the natural that you're doing that's messing it up. Plus, you know, the demonic really like to take a problem and make it worse. So, like, let's That's let's good. take the topic of health, okay? Because, like, Lord knows I've, I was in the health industry <laughs> for a very long time. And I've read all the books and all the things. And uh, in another life, I would have, like, if I had given another opportunity to live a different trajectory, it probably would have been becoming a medical doctor, specifically endocrinologist, because that just fascinates me. But anyway. <laughs> it is very fascinating. Um, yeah. That's not where God took me. But if I got to just choose, that's <laughs> probably where I would have gone. Health is an interesting thing. So when we look at the Bible, I mean, there's verses like Jesus said, by his stripes, we are healed. Um, he took our infirmities upon him. That's in, in Isaiah, like talking about Jesus before he came. Jesus healed all all the sicknesses and all the diseases of everyone who came to him, even raised people from the dead. 
So like there wasn't a person who came to Jesus asking for healing that did not receive their healing. Yeah. When they came for physical ailment, they got healed of that. Sometimes that physical ailment, like the example of the woman who was bent over with um, uh, her back was bent with infirmity and she couldn't stand up straight. Jesus cast a demon of infirmity out of her and then she was healed. So there's examples in the in the in the New Testament with Jesus healing people that sometimes it was deliverance and healing at the same time. Yeah. Sometimes it was just deliverance. Sometimes it was just healing. But the key is everyone who came to him, mind you, everyone who came to him and asked for healing received healing. In fact, the one guy was yelling out for him to like Jesus or Son yeah. of David, Son of David, have mercy on me. When he was saying Son of David, the blind man, he was saying, have mercy on me. He was actually saying, he was believing that that was the Messiah. He was basically calling him the Messiah. And, you know, he's blind yeah. and off to the side and he can't get any help. And everyone's telling him to shut up. And he's yelling, oh, come to me, come to me, come to me. And Jesus goes, what do you want? Like, literally, Jesus walks up to the dude and goes, uh, yeah, what do you want me to do for you? And he's like, I want to see. He's like, well, according to your faith, be it unto you. And the guy, God, uh, Jesus healed him of his, of his blindness. So, so but let if me ask he you. hadn't cried out for Jesus, maybe Jesus would have sought him out. Maybe he wouldn't. The only example, really, I, I can think of off the top of my head of God seeking or Jesus seeking people out is when he picked out the disciples. He sought them out. Also, um, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus yep. was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. So yeah, Virginia missed out on those kids' songs when she was a kid because she didn't. <laughs> so true, but I feel like I really need to hear you sing all of them. He climbed up in that sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Anyway, who, that was the donut was the guy? man. <laughs> for all you people who grew up in the like my like the nineties, eighties, and nineties, listening to the Donut Man, and uh, us. and the guy that was at the the. Uh... The pool of Bethesda. That's Jesus what I was going to say. Yeah. So the guy at the pool of Bethesda wasn't really looking to be healed. Jesus basically convinced him. <laughs> he's like, you want to walk? And he's like, well, I can't. I can't get to the pool. Nobody will drag me to the pool. He's like, but do you want to walk? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, that's not the question well, I asked. Like, I do, but, you know. <laughs> so there's a few examples of Jesus really seeking someone out and pointing them out. But for the most part, it was people coming and falling behind him, seeking him out and, and coming and asking. Yeah. So there's a component to our lives, like with, we'll just focus mostly on sickness or infirmity, but we could also talk about um, any kind of trouble or issue you have in your life um, that's plaguing you. Desires a, of the heart. Yeah. There's a component there where you really have to participate. Like, and, and there is a... Uh, there is a large part of the body of Christ, especially in the U.S., that believe in the, the will of the supreme will of God and God being completely sovereign and Him making all the decisions, and that literally your whole life is just scripted, and even God picks who's saved and who isn't saved. Now, that's an extreme Calvinist view. You know, yeah. some people have that view. Not a whole lot of people have that view. Uh, some people have a little bit more of a middle of the road, like, well, there's the sovereign will of God, but people still get their free will. And then you have a little bit more of the, on the far side of God, you know, you pick if you want to be saved. Like, you're the person who has to make that decision. God's calling out to everyone, 
and it's up to you to respond, right? Um, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna be honest with y'all. I err more on the closer on the side where it's more on our responsibility. And the reason why I believe that is because not just scripturally, I think there's scriptural evidence for that, but practically, like it just, when you find out in your life that there's, the more participatory you are, the more you make decisions, the more you have faith, the more you decide on things, the more that God is able to do because he needs our participation. And so this is like, I do believe that this is a spiritual key that a lot of people can't take advantage of or don't understand because they've been taught differently. Yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> for my don't fall for that, <laughs> for this would be, there's a lot of people, a lot of atheists who hate God. They hate the idea of God. But when you ask them, they're like, well, what is God like? And they'll get, they'll spit up the traditional Calvinist view that God picks who's saved and who's not saved, that God, God made Adam and Eve sin. Like right. it was all God's decisions, everything. Like if somebody's saved or not, it's his decision. If somebody's sick, it's because he made them sick. Like, yep. and when you, when you look at those arguments, I mean, I don't want to like, I one, wouldn't want to worship that God either. Exactly. It, it's not just that. It's like, I don't see that God in the Bible. I do see a God who has to work around humanity. And there's sometimes where he will literally put down his foot and go, okay, despite all the stuff that's going on, I'm still going to do this and this, and it's going to happen no matter what. But there's a lot of things that happen simply because of initiative. You know, on the flip side, there's also many people that God blessed because he keeps his word. So he made a promise that so-and-so would be blessed and all their descendants would be blessed. And they were, even if they were, you know, not the greatest because he kept, he has to keep his word. He has to be true to his word. So So what I could say is God is consistent. God Ah. is sovereign in the sense that he is in charge. Like he gets the final say. The responsibility falls on his shoulders. He's the one that created everything and put it into motion. He's in charge. He is not in control of everything. And that Come freaks on. and that freaks people out. Like that idea. Ruffles some feathers. That because people are like, just God is in control. I, he is within the parameters of free will. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like we still in our little personhoods can sit here and do whatever we want. And within that framework of free will here on this earth, he is in control. He, For example, God prophesied and said ahead of time what he was going to do with his with the Messiah. He Everything that Jesus did, Jesus came and did everything the Father wanted him to do. So part of how Jesus's life pan, like played out and came to fruition was because he did obey the Father in everything. He gave up his free will willingly like he set aside his free will and did what the father did and because he perfectly obeyed the father everything panned out the way god had planned and had foreknown and determined and he made sure that all the things had to happen to bring christ into the world and then for that to happen at the right time in history when god needed it to be done then god's wisdom and foreknowledge and things that he knew needed to happen when it needed to happen how it needed to happen he made sure that happened. Um, when God does move like that, he does step on toes. So that's another thing. Like God doesn't, there are times when God will literally override. He'll come and override for a specific reason. Um, like we'll just say like the 
Moses and the parting of the Red Sea. Like that was God coming in and overriding a situation. Yeah. And the Egyptians were destroyed because of it, right? There's certain things that he does, but when he overrides, <laughs> there's usually a little bit of people get kind of crushed in the way. So God prefers not to override. He actually prefers to partner. He wants to partner with people. He wants us to be his hands and feet. He wants to partner with us so that he can, with peace and with purpose, come in and affect change without having to override. And Because the minute God shows up, and this is another thing too, guys, when God shows up in his full personhood, like it doesn't take faith to believe in him anymore. Like... Oh, yeah. It's not a choice at that point. You're like, oh, you're real. <laughs> you're real. And now I'm so responsible. Funny. And there's a lot of people who want that. They like, they want God to show up. The problem is when God the Father, <laughs> this is why we have Jesus and the Holy Spirit. When God the Father shows up, um, he's scary in the sense that he is like an all-consuming fire. He is all-powerful. He's the supreme being. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a certain component to him that if you were to see him face-to-face, -face, you would get destroyed. Like, you wouldn't be able to live in your physical body if you had a full encounter with God. Which is why you don't see his face in your until person, you're in heaven. In your yeah. physical person. Like, if your physical person was brought before the Lord and you, you were seen, you would die and you would have to stay there. Like, there's no... Yeah, there's, like, no going back. there's no going back. So there's this component of God where he has to kind of cloak himself and hide himself for our sake because he doesn't want people to just be destroyed. When people, especially in the Old Testament, he had to be careful because people were in their sin and Jesus hadn't died yet, right? And hadn't the, the pay, permanent payment hadn't been made. So he had to be a little careful because like, if he showed himself too much, it could kill people. Like straight up, so, it would. It, people died. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, his presence shook entire mountains. Yeah. <laughs> also, Uzzah, um, when David wanted to bring the Ark and, uh, Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem, he didn't go back and look at like the rules and regulations of how it was supposed to be transported. And in his zealousness of just, let's get the Ark back, he threw it on an ox cart and had oxen carrying it. God never designed the ark to be carried by the oxen. He designed the ark to be carried by humans and laid inlaid with gold. Wood inlaid with gold, covered with gold, carried by human. Right? It was never to be, was supposed to sit on anything. Yeah. Um, it was supposed to be carried by humans. Um, but only the priests. Like they had to have and they had to be purified. They had to get themselves right before they could touch the ark. They couldn't directly touch the ark. They had to, they had to use the poles like, and they were carrying it by the poles. So like all these regulations around it because God's power was on it. <laughs> and yeah. so the ox cart, the oxen stumble and the ox cart starts getting like wonky and the ark starts falling off the oxen cart. And Uzzah just is like, you know, he's trying to help and just sees it falling. He reaches out and touches it to try to steady it, and it zaps him dead. Yep. Now, did God kill him? No, it was the it was the power of God on the Ark of the Covenant that killed Uzzah, because Uzzah was never supposed to, nobody was supposed to touch the Ark like that. But in his ignorance, and then, and you know, because it had been a while since true worship, like the, all the regulations had been followed and the parameters were set like that had been properly done. And so a lot of people just didn't have, they hadn't reviewed the rules, <laughs> you know? I mean, um, think about how many things we have in our world, just our natural world that 
It's not that they're bad. They're good things, but they are so powerful. If you touch them, you will die. Like the the power the electrified rail on a metro car or something. You know what I mean? And um, and then the New Testament was the power of God and the Holy Spirit was so strong amongst amongst New Testament believers that when uh, Ananias and Sapphira straight up chose to lie to Peter about something um, about their finances, um, it wasn't Peter struck him dead. It, nobody struck him dead but Holy Spirit. Like they died. The thing that bothers me about that story that always has is that the husband dies, right? The wife's not around. Then they pull the wife up and they're like, listen, your husband just died because he lied. No, they didn't tell her. No, they did. No, that's the whole point. They didn't tell her. They go, They ask her the question. She comes up. She doesn't know her husband's dead. And they go, did you pay your husband? Or basically said, you said you sold your property for this much money. And this is the money you're donating to the church or to the I thought group. there was I thought there was a line in there about them insinuating or saying that her husband had died or something. They, like, I think they said, no, your husband stated this. Is that correct? And in that moment, she could have gone, oh, my husband lied about the amount. I'm just going to be truthful. And I'm going to just say the right thing. Like, no, we paid. We sold it for 20 grand. Right. Let's just say. So basically, the whole thing was they wanted to look good. So they said they sold their property for... Let's say they're giving 15 grand and they said they sold it for 15 grand and they want it to be like, right. But when reality, they're like, they sold it for, let's say they sold it for 30 grand and then they kept 15 grand for themselves and then presented 15 grand as if that was the whole amount instead of just giving what they were going to give. Cause that's what Peter said, Peter's like, it was up to you to give whatever you wanted to give. You could have just given it. Just, you know, you didn't have to, you didn't have to try to pretend. Yeah. That was the problem. They were trying to pretend to be more generous than they were. I, and so then when I Peter was, confronted I, them on it, they literally, he said, lie not to the Holy Spirit. They literally lied. Right. Exactly. That, I think that was the thing is lie not to the Holy Spirit. It's because what I'm remembering now is that is that was actually, what's it called? It was from like a, a movie or something that they made about the Bible. So that's what I was remembering in my head is that like scene playing out. So however they chose to do it was that way. So it's Acts chapter five, uh, verse two, he brought part of the money to the apostles claiming it was the full amount with his wife's consent. He kept the rest. So he comes and presents it. And Peter, by the spirit, knows that he's lying. And so Peter says, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit and you kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not sell as you wish. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but you were lying to God. As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. So here's the thing that, that gets me about that story is that in my opinion, like he said, you had the choice of what to do. You didn't have, it was your property. You could have sold it. You could have kept it. It was your thing. And it was your money. What you made from it was yours to keep or give away. So what I feel like is the, this was, it's such, I feel like in my mind, it's such a good example of a battle between like your flesh and your spirit or your heart desire and your faith. You know, like you can call it a few things, but I feel like they really wanted to be good followers. They wanted to participate. Everyone was collecting their money together. They wanted to participate in that. They wanted to whatever. And they wanted but, to look good. But they also had doubt of like, what if this whole thing goes south and we're going to be poor because we got rid of all of our stuff. So let's save some money to the side. Let's, let's keep some for us because we need to protect ourselves or whatever. 
even if you take off the lying part of like the, you know, keeping money for yourself and then saying that it was more than what it was and whatever, like it, it's just such a struggle. It's such a battle of like, I want to have faith and do the good thing, but I am being uh, crippled, if you will, by this earthly fear, uh, a demonic fear, you could say, of I need to keep this for whatever reason. Um, so I think that's cool because this is a, an example of something, if you break it down that way, that as believers, we have that kind of crap that we have to go through often in our daily lives of, I want to pursue God, I want to do the right thing, but this other worldly thing is holding me back, or I feel like I'm getting pulled in this direction, which I know is not what the Lord wants for me. Um, and ultimately, look at this story, which is, you go and die, it ends in death. And it's just it's just difficult, because it's like, it might not be literal death in your particular circumstance, but there are things that are that might not go the way they're supposed to go. Right there, there's callings and things in your life that what if they those things don't get filled because of the choices that you made and the things that you partnered with um, instead of being upfront and honest with the Holy Spirit. Ah, Food for thought. I'm not negating that possibility of what you said and throw okay, it. Okay, sure, go ahead, go ahead. I sure. straight up, I totally think they were just trying to be showboats. Showboats. I don't know. I think that's why there was such a severe punishment on that. You guys let us know what you think. I, go I go, think re, go I, read the story. Let's, let's read it. Because a few scriptures before that in chapter four, it says that all the believers were united in heart and mind and they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of Lord Jesus and God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. Um... So, for instance, there was Joseph, the one apostle's nickname, Barnabas. He was from the tribe of Levi and came to the island of Cyprus. He sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. I think it became a giving game, like a giving competition. And there was probably some prestige issues see, there. But see, that's, that's where I look at it. And I'm like, looking at it from the side of everyone's doing it. We need to do it, too. Because he made the comment of... Yeah, you and didn't but, have to sell it. It's your property. But they wanted to come to. out smelling like roses, so they lied. Like they literally exaggerated how much they were giving. Could be. I mean, that's my personal opinion. But the reason why I brought it up was that everyone wants more of God, right? They say they want more of God. We are crying out for a revival. We want God's presence to fill the room. We want all of this to come. We want all of His things for our life. We want everything for our, him. We want him, Jesus, you know, all consuming fire. You know, <laughs> we sing these songs of purify me, Lord, you know, the whole thing. Yeah. And we want more of him. But what we don't understand is the more of God you get, you get the more of the be. all consuming fire part of God. Like, exactly. Which, which you don't have to be afraid of. So it's this, it's this paradigm that. If you submit your will to God and give it all to him and you let him purify you in the small things and you let him work on you and as it as it progresses with your relationship to him, then you can handle more of God because it's like you, you turn from being wood, hay and stubble to gold, silver, precious stones, which is more fireproof. You become more uh, solid and more fireproof right? The more you're formed into his image, the more you can commit yourself to him. 
And so when he does come in his glory and his anointing and his power, um, you can handle it better. You can enjoy it more because it's not because the stuff that already needed to be burnt up was being burnt up already because yeah. you had been over time submitting to the process of cleansing and purification. But the thing is, like, if you have somebody um, who doesn't know God or is not sanctified or whatever, like this, like Uzzah, like Uzzah reaching out and touching the ark, <laughs> like God didn't intend to kill him. If he had obeyed the rules, meaning do not touch the ark under any circumstances you were not allowed to, then it wouldn't have happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, same thing with Ananias and Sapphira. He said, why did you let Satan into your heart? Like you literally, he's like, if you had just given it and kept your mouth shut or not given yeah. it, he didn't, you didn't even have to give it. If you didn't even give it, like <laughs> whatever your, let in, Satan into your, heart. Whatever your impure motives were that led you to lying. And he says, you're not lying to us. You're lying to God. Like you're, who are you trying to fool here? Ananias, like, you're not fooling me. You're not, you know what I mean? Like you're lying straight up to God. Um, so God's going to judge you. I mean, (laughs) I think the reason why the judgment was so severe is because of how heavy the presence was with the people like Holy spirit. If he's going to hang out with you, not just be inside of you, but like hang out with a group of people and be there and manifest his presence and his holy, he's the Holy spirit. He manifests holiness. Holiness is set apartness. Holiness is, is a whole nother thing. (laughs) Like, and what is unholy is destroyed in the presence of holiness. Holiness just pushes out and destroys and and it's like light destroys the darkness. Like it just, it's just, it's nature. Like that's God's nature. It's who who he is. It's what he carries. And so we cry out and we say, God, come, God, come. And then God comes and you're like, ouch, 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 ouch. Yes. Why does it hurt so bad? (laughs) That's why God usually does things in stages. So I don't want to like take us too off topic. We Um, already are done off. We ran off the range. Sorry, guys. I I know that we're coming up to our, uh, (laughs) we're coming up to our time. Earlier in the episode, you talked about when Jesus was healing people in the crowds and there wasn't anybody who came up to him with a sickness that he didn't heal. You emphasized him. As in Jesus. There wasn't anyone that Jesus couldn't heal. Why? Why the emphasis? Because that's where healing comes from. Okay. I didn't know if you wanted to, if you were so, like. I almost want to like chop this into two episodes and like redo the second half of this. <laughs> like, okay. So I was talking about sickness and illness or whatever. The whole point is don't, don't fall for the lie that God determines everything and that he's going to make you and he's going to push, you know what I mean? Like that it's, it's all on God. And if it be his will in the sense that it's on him to make things happen. The truth is you have to partner with him. If you want healing, you have to go to Jesus for healing and you have to have faith that he can heal you. If you want victory over the devil, you need to go to Jesus for the authority that he carries so that you can take, you know, you can put the devil in his place. Because it's not on your authority. It's not on your power. Yeah. Um, if you need wisdom, ask of God. Like, there's things like it's, the Bible's full of ask, seek, knock, pursue. It's full of actions. 
and you need to act on those actions. Also, the, the lie that God is in control of everything and determines something. Like, why would you seek healing or believe in healing or have faith for healing if someone yes. told you that God made you sick to teach you a lesson? God can turn anything and everything into a blessing for you, and he can turn it around and he can use it. But he didn't make you sick. He's just waiting for you to realize that he he's healed you and that you don't have to accept sickness. And also that sickness is just part of a fallen world, and we have to work our way around it and through it. But God never is like, I'm going to make this person have this ailment just to teach him a lesson. Like, yeah. Now, uh, illness will befall you because of cursing. Like, if you are living a lifestyle of sin and rebellion, then you open doors to sickness and illness to to come upon you and the demonic to make sure that happens. But you can be sick just because you're in an environment that was toxic and or, you know, you things that are outside your control, right? So there's a lot of things involved in this whole thing. Like, it's not just a simple... Once again, like we keep pointing to, it's your relationship with Holy Spirit. Like, how do you navigate this with Holy Spirit? Like, okay, I'm sick. I have this problem. Holy Spirit, what are the natural things I need to do? Okay. Two, what is the spiritual root of this problem? Is it in my bloodline? Is it something connected to a family curse? Um, you know? Three, yeah. what, de- what demonic component is afflicting me? Is this external or internal? What do I need to do about it? So in this component, like you have to, it's like you have to navigate the waters with Holy Spirit. He's your compass. He's your guide. He's the map. And there's not just one canned answer for everything. There is a canned answer of God wants you to be well. Like that his, that's his desire. He doesn't want you to die a premature death. He doesn't want you to suffer sickness or illness in your body. He, he paid for otherwise. But how you get there is also partnering with God on how to get that and manifest that in your life, like for it to come to fruition, for you to be healed, for you to be well, for you to walk in a level of healthiness just overall in your life, right? That you, you that you can persevere and you can do the will of God. Um, and then there is the the unknowns. You know, there's 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 going to be battles that we don't win in the in the natural. But God always wins every battle in the spiritual in the end. Like if a yeah. person dies on this earth and they believe in God, they're going to heaven. That's not a, that's not a loss. Like, you know, it's a loss to the people here because they'll miss them. But it's not a loss in this, you know, in the sense that that person gains. That person's not lost. That <laughs> person's not lost and they gained the reward of their suffering. You know, they gained the reward of what Jesus paid for. Yeah. So you got to remember that like we're, we're fighting, we're fighting in the trenches here on earth. We're dealing with things that in eternity we won't have to deal with. And, you know, it's, 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 war is messy, right? You have an enemy. Yeah. So he, the devil prowls around seeking to whom he can devour. Like, it's not, he's not like a little baby kitten that you might stumble across every once in a while. He's a lion out to get you. Yeah. And, um, so like, don't fall for the, don't fall for the lie that God's going to determine everything, that you don't have a part to play. And it's not about control. It's like, it's not about you taking control. It's about you giving God control actively, right? Yeah. You're not passively going, God's in control and I have nothing to say about it. And it'll no, just yeah, whatever. You have to sacrifice. Okay, yeah. sarah. No, it's you are actively giving God control in your life. Yes. It's yes. what you can determine about yourself and your surroundings and your 
and what you're doing. Right. He who gives up his life. So you have to give it up. To Jesus, to God, yeah. to trust him. Um, so, yeah, it's more complicated, but it's also simple. But the whole point is, like, at the people the people are going to want to tell you they have the pat answer and the right answer and the right formula. And if you just buy their product or you just listen to them or if you just do whatever, it'll it'll be fixed. And if it's not fixed, you did something wrong. We're not saying that at all. We're saying that this is a hot mess and the only person to get you out of this hot mess is Holy Spirit and Jesus. And you better cling to them for dear life. And yep. if you do, you will have the victory and they and will get you out grace, of it. There's grace for when you mess up, mm-hmm. but it is that continual giving it up to him, giving your life over to him that we really, I mean, you know, Christians talk about having to die daily, take up our cross every day. Now, that's in the Bible, not just talking about it, but that's also what that goes back to is dying daily, giving up your life, giving it to him every day, making that choice that I am not living for me, I'm living for you. Because then you give him all the permission and the power and that he needs to do to start moving on your behalf. Yeah. A lot of time, God is locked up by our, our indecision and by our non-participation. And so his hands are tied half the time because he can't, he can't violate what he made us to be. But yet... Yeah, it's like somebody uh, saying, hey, I need you to house sit for me. And here's what you can do. And like, yeah, I'll house it for you. I'll take care of your plants. I'll do all the things. I'll make it beautiful. Uh, but then they never actually give you the keys to the house. <laughs> they just expect you to like somehow get in there and do it well. Like that doesn't really work out together. Yeah. God is like chomping at the bit to do stuff for you. Honestly, he can step on your toes. You just have to say, God, come step on my toes. Like when you start saying, come do your supernaturalness, come be who you are in my presence, come do this, and you give him permission, he's like, oh, I'm going to show up. I'm going to show up and I'm going to show off. Problem is you got to give him your yes. That's really all we're saying. Yeah. Give God your yes and give him permission to show up in all his awesome power. Um, You know, kind of the, the get you shaking in your boots kind of awesome power. <laughs> Which is like a thrill ride, right? It's like, you're like, your flesh is like, no, no, no. But your spirit's going like, yes, this is so cool. God is so awesome. (laughs) So don't fall for it. Don't fall for it. (laughs) I'd love to know your thoughts, if you have any, about the whole uh, Ananias and Sapphira thing. So find us online. Leave us a comment. (laughs) Let us know. Because that would be a fun conversation. It's definitely one of the most controversial (laughs) stories in the book of Acts. (laughs) All right. Well, we love you guys. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for coming along for the ride. We will catch you on the next episode. Bye, y'all. Bye. This has been an episode of Life for Your Soul, brought to you by The Sevenfold. For more info on who we are and what you've heard in today's episode, head over to thesevenfold.com. Today, we leave you with this blessing from 3 John. May you prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. Until next time, this is Life for Your Soul. (laughs) 